Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. Good morning. Y'all doing good? Feeling good? Pumped up? You ready for Christmas? <laughs> I just thought I'd scare you. Whoa, did we do Thanksgiving? I missed it. Oh, man, it's crazy, isn't it? It's a crazy time. Uh, turn to the person beside you and say, wow, you look good. Y'all get a little carried away with that. I'll give you an inch, you'll take a mile. Man, I'm glad you're here. It's good to have you this morning. Uh, it's week two of our series called Words to Live By. And the word for today, you ready? Word for today is forgiveness. And you're thinking, are you all right? Because we did like forgiveness last week, right? And so we're supposed to do forgiveness again. Why would we do forgiveness again? Well, it's the same message as last week. I'm just kidding. It's not. It's not. Here's the thing. Is I've really started to process this. You know, we, we, uh, we meet months in advance, six months at least, sometimes longer than that. And so we pray through and, and we come up with what we believe God wants for a particular series, the series, and then what God wants for the series. And then wouldn't you just know God, he wants to change things from time to time? And I go, Psh, well, you got the nerve. But he's God, so he can do anything he wants to, right? And so honestly, as I was, you know, working through this, praying through this, it occurred to me, that really, forgiveness, there's two sides to forgiveness. Last week, we talked about how to offer forgiveness, right? I forgive you. But there's another side to forgiveness. There's a, another side to the coin. And the other side of the coin is about how to ask for forgiveness. Hmm. One, you're the victim. When you're the victim, somebody did you wrong, and, and so, but you need to learn how to even forgive the person who's done you wrong. The other, you're the offender. And i got to be honest. It's easier being the victim than it is to be the offender. It's easier to admit, at least. It's easier to play the role of the victim, wouldn't you say? Am I the only one? Than it is to think, I have, I have been the offender. I have wounded. I have hurt someone. And how do I make that right? So Jesus was in this little segment. This is like one of his most famous sermons. It's the Sermon on the Mount. And it, and it spans at least three chapters in Matthew's gospel. And so Jesus is in this segment. This is really important. This is, you've got to get this part. He's in a segment on relationships. So it's all about relationships. And he says this, he says, you've heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you'll be, you'll be subject to judgment. But I say to you, I say to you that even if you're, if you're even angry at somebody, what? If you're angry at somebody, then you're subject to judgment. Now, let's just go ahead and do a show of hands. How many of you, and if, don't lie, you're in church. I'll pray you get, leave this place, you'll be slick as onion on top. 
I'm just saying, how many of you would be willing to say, I've been angry? We, we all going to hell in a handbasket. I mean, things are rough. I better go ahead and give the invitation right now, right? So he's in this section, and here's the, you got to get this. Relationships are crucially important to God. Our relationship with him is crucially important, but listen, our relationship with other people is also critically important to God. So he's in this relational zone, and he said this, so if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you. In other words, so like you get to church on a Sunday morning and they're passing the buckets just like we did a few minutes ago, and you remember that someone has something against you. In other words, if you remember, I've hurt someone. There's a relationship, maybe it's someone in your family, maybe it's one of your friends, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's somebody that you work with. But suddenly you remember, you remember that you're there, you think, you know what, I've wounded someone, I've hurt somebody's feelings. Then Jesus says this, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. That's a critical part. Why y'all looking at me like that? Leave it at the altar. Leave it at the altar. I'm just messing with you. Leave your sacrifice there at the altar. And then this next word, it's a big word. I know it doesn't look like a big word. It's two letters, go. That's huge. There's so much involved in this word. It's, it's more to it than just go. It's go, then what does he say? Go and do what? Go and be reconciled. Man, we're on church Sunday morning. Sounds awesome. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come. Go back to church after you've done what you needed to do. Come back to church and then offer your sacrifice to God. And just so you know, this is really important. The Greek tense, the Greek verb tense for go implies, you've got to get this, intense action. It literally means that nothing will stop you. It literally, listen, this is important. You, you have to initiate it. And of course, the obstacles that exist, the walls that are there between you and somebody else that you love, somebody that you work with, somebody that's an acquaintance, that, the, the, the truth is, is the reason those obstacles are there, the reason that the walls are there is because of you. And this is like really, really important because what's interesting to me is I can't think of another time in all the Bible where it says that there's something that takes a higher priority over worship. Man, this is worship. If you don't think worship is a big deal, go to the Old Testament. Worship was a big deal. If you don't think that worship was a, a big deal in the Old Testament, then come to the New Testament. Worship is like huge. But God said, look, before you come to worship me, I want to make sure that you understand I'm a relational God. And you can't be in a right relationship with me unless you're in a right relationship with other people. And that takes a priority even over your giving. Wow. Before you worship God with your given first go and be reconciled with that person that you've wronged. Now, I don't know if this will be good for you or not, but I had enough church when I was growing up that the word reconciled is always the word that trips me up every time. Reconciled. 
So what does that word mean? It's not just a Bible term. I mean, it can also be a banking term. In the world of finance and accounting, it's the process of comparing different accounts and data to find out whether they're, they're matching. And if they don't, you've got to figure out why. Now, how many old people that we have in here that actually know what a checkbook is? <clears throat> I don't even know. Well, you got to be over 50 to even know what a checkbook is. All the young people are going, oh, check what? Yeah, a checkbook. There's checks. And so then you would have a checkbook, and there's a register in that, check, in that checkbook, right? And so then here's what you do, young people. You write a check, then you register that check. And you put the check number, and then you put who it was written to, and then how much. So here's what, listen, here's what happens for old folks. Then at the end of the month, you get, you get a statement from the bank. Y'all out there? Like, I'm, I'm talking to dinosaurs. I mean, you don't even know what I'm talking about right now, right? And so here's the thing. What you would want to do is to make sure that the bank's account for what they say you have in the bank and what you say that you have in the bank, that those two things are reconciled, that they're working together. And if they're not, guess what? 99.9% .9 of the time, it's your fault. You can't add or subtract or multiply. I don't know. What does it mean in this context? Well, I got the commentaries out, and here's, here's what I found. And work with me here, because I think you're going to have to. It means to settle the difficulty. To settle the difficulty. To make proper acknowledgement. Hmm. To be reconciled means that I make proper acknowledgement. And then they say, or, I think it's and, but they said, or, satisfaction for the injury. If you've wronged someone, then listen, here's the thing. You've got to get this. It's your responsibility, based on the words of Jesus, for you to make restitution. That's a big old hairy word. What does it mean? Well, here's what it means. If you owe a debt, you pay it. Is that simple? You owe somebody. You've been owing somebody for a while. If you're going to make restitution, it means you're going to pay what you owe. That, that's what that means. If you've injured someone's character, you confess it, you seek forgiveness, and it's more than that. It's more than that. If then it's doing everything within your power then to make that right. Are you with me? <clears throat> so if you lied about somebody, then it means what you've got to do. You've got to go back to the people you lied to, and this is, this is tough stuff, isn't it? Like you're thinking... Can we talk about something else? Do you have another word? Like, can we use another word? No, you got to go to those people. you got to say, you know what? Here's the thing. I'm embarrassed to say this. I lied. And I hurt that person. I lied about that person. And i got to make this right. In other words, listen, it's more than, I'm sorry, sorry. It's more than just being sorry to be reconciled mean that you aggressively, you initiate making a wrong right. So Jesus said, this is really important, because this word has tripped me up for many, many years. So Jesus says, honor God by doing your part. <clears throat> by doing your part. Say that with me. Doing your part to bring restora restoration in relationships. 
In other words, you got to do your part to bring down the walls that you built. You built those walls. Brick by brick, course by course, you built the wall. And it's your responsibility to tear down that wall. And sometimes, sometimes it's brick by brick, course by course. And when I say do your part, I need to emphasize that there's only so much that you can do. And this, this, this was what haunted me for years. There's only so much I can do. <clears throat> Some of you may be like me. You've carried around guilt and shame for years because no matter what you did, it was never enough. Y'all with me? <clears throat> Paul said it like this in Romans 12. He said, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Do all that you can. Another translation I think I'll use in a minute says, if possible, when it's possible, do everything that you can to live at peace with everyone. Let me just say that you cannot force reconciliation. You can only do your part. <clears throat> and just because you do your part, just because you do your part does not mean that that person is going to forgive you. This distinct, doesn't it? Like you're thinking, is there a better part of the message? Like this is not fun. It's not. But I, I got to tell you the truth. <clears throat> this is what Jesus is saying. What you're responsible for is doing your part. That's what I want you to know that you're responsible for. You got to initiate it. You built some walls. Your job is to aggressively try to tear down the wall. However, you can only do your part. If that person is not willing to forgive you, then there's not any reconciliation. But at least you did your part. Jesus said this in Matthew 5, verse 9. He said, blessed are, hmm, interesting word, the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. He said peacemakers. He did not say peacekeepers. And there is a difference between being a peacemaker and a peacekeeper. What do peacekeepers do? Peacekeepers will do anything they can to keep the peace. For peacekeepers, that means I'll do whatever I have to do to avoid any confrontation. I just don't want to be confrontational. And if I need to, if I need to, to, to jump on my sword, then that's exactly what I do. If I need to if I need to take that sword and thrust it right into my heart, if that's what I need to do, that's what I'll do. And so when that person starts to get agitated, Somebody that's just trying to keep the peace will often look at them and say, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Listen, let's don't, let's don't argue. Let's don't argue. Nothing good comes from arguing. We're going to say things that we don't mean. Let's just forget it ever happened. Let's just keep the peace. Peacekeeping is avoidance. Peacemaking is hitting the problem head on. It means confrontation. And I don't think we like that word. I've done a show of hands over the years. How many love confrontation? And there's usually like two. And we all think they're weird, don't we? We go, what? You're living in sin. 
Jesus' people don't like confrontation. Well, actually, they do. So Jesus said, go. Before you offer your gift, go. I want you to initiate. I want you to do whatever it takes, even if you have to walk through some difficult things to make peace where there is no peace. I want you to do what you can do. Let me give you the greatest enemy to peacemaking. You already know what it is. You could have wrote this message, right? The greatest enemy to peacemaking is pride. It's just pride. Plain and simple. Pride shows itself when we say things like, I'm going to apologize. I ain't apologizing to you. I ain't doing anything wrong. I ain't. Hey, 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 hey. And if I did do something, like if I did say something, the only reason I said something to you is because you said something to me first. So really, like, you're the reason you caused me to sin. It's all on you. It's not on me. Listen to me. You're not responsible for the other person. You are responsible for what you do. Romans 12, verse 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So I'm just saying if you've done 10% of the wrong and the other person did 90% of the wrong, own your 10%. Own your 10%. And just for the record, it's probably not a good thing to bring up percentages in the conversation. <laughs> like if you, you know, you're having a discussion with your spouse, <laughs> guys, it's probably not good to say, you know what, as far as I can tell, I'm only maybe 2 3% at fault here. You're like 98, 97% at fault, but I'm going to be the bigger guy that's not going to move this relationship forward. I'm telling you, it's just not. Don't say that. Let me tell you the greatest friend to peacemaking. The greatest friend to peacemaking is humility. It's the very opposite of, of pride. Humility says, you know what, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. See, I care more about you. I care more about the relationship than I care about being right. And so here's the, here's the thing. If I'm, not, if I'm 10% and you're 90%, you know what, really, it doesn't matter. I just want you to know that I'm willing to own my 10%. I'm willing to own my 2%. I'm willing to own whatever it is that I've done. And I can't control you. That's not my job. My job is not to control you. My job is not to bring guilt on you. My job is not to bring shame on you. My job is for me to just initiate, to do everything I have to do to try to tear down this wall that I built. So I'm going to humble myself before you. It's awesome. Here's what I'm doing the rest of the time that we have together this morning. I just want to talk very specifically about how to apologize and I, you know, I smile every time I read this word because, I mean, I wrote it, but I, I've, I've often thought, I don't know, why do y'all care? I've just, I've read the word and I think, why did I put that word? I don't know. But I wrote how we can apologize with integrity. Y'all know what I meant by that? I'm trying to figure that out. But I know what I'm feeling in my heart. I hope you, hope you can maybe track with me just a little bit my weird way of thinking. So there's like five specific things that you can do. Number one, here's, here's the first thing. is In your apology, you've got to admit to specific actions and attitudes. Get specific. 
There's something extremely healing, I think. When you look at another person and you're able to label the very thing that you did, you know what you did. For example, I'm sorry, I, yell, I yelled at you. Now, I don't, I don't know about y'all. Y'all know what I'm talking about when I say I was raised in a yelling family. And if you're from the South, we hollered. I, yell must be a northern thing. I don't even know, but we hollered at each other. That's what we did. And it was weird because we all, it's like, you know, how do I know that somebody loves me? You holler at me. And so I noticed when Karen and I first got married, she would say, why, why are you hollering? I don't know. <laughs> Here to prove to you that I love you, woman. I don't, that's what we did. My house. Get specific in what you did. Maybe you would say, you know, the truth is I lied. I shouldn't have, and I'm embarrassed, and I'm humiliated, but I lied. Name, name what it is. And if you can't, name it. This is important because I went through a period in my life, literally for several years, where I, I knew that people had to be offended. I knew that they had to be offended by me, and I didn't know what I did. And so I would contact as the Holy Spirit would lead me, and I can tell you stories, the most supernatural stories as big as Jesus turning water into wine, God parting the Red Sea. I'm telling you, huge stories of how God would have me to interface with another person, to be in a, in a confrontation with another person. And I, oftentimes I would say, help me, please tell me what I did. And here's why, because I want to make it right. I've hurt you in some way. I've wounded you. And here's the thing. And if I've done it to you, I'll do it to somebody else. And I'll do it to another person. And somebody's got to be bold enough to tell me what I did. Tell me what I did. I want to be specific. Theologians, <laughs> I smile every time I use that word. Theologians break our sins into two categories. Well, they do that because the Bible actually breaks our sins into two categories. They call them the sins of commission. That's what we committed. Yeah, there you go. And then there's the sins of omission. That's the things that we should have done, but we did not do. Y'all with me? And so sometimes we know the bad thing. We know the wrong thing. I lied. I cheated. I robbed. Whatever the case might be, we got that one. But what, what about the sins of omission? See, sometimes we forget about that one. So maybe your thing might be, you know what, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't protect you. True story. Uh, another church that I was pastoring a number of years ago, and, and a deacon came to me, and he said, Scott, he said, man, I, I need to... I need to apologize to you. And I said, man, well, for what? And he said, well, here's the thing. He said, there have been a lot of family Sunday dinners. And, and he said, you know, my family, they had you for lunch every Sunday. We had roast pastor. I said, do you have potatoes to go with that? I mean, how did you? And uh, he said, so he said, now listen, I want you to, I never participated. I never, ever participated. I never, I never said a word. But I need you to ask, I need to ask for your forgiveness because the thing of it is, I should have stood up for you and I didn't. I'm sorry. See, sometimes we forget about the things that we should do and that we don't do. And maybe that's your thing. Maybe, maybe for you it's, you know what, I'm sorry, I was so busy working all those years. And I thought that I was working to provide for my family, but you know what, really, I wasn't. It was more about my ego. And I neglected you. I put more time and effort and work into, into work than I did into our relationship. I'm sorry. 
Maybe you would simply look at somebody and say, you know what, I'm sorry, I didn't engage. I took you for granted. And I didn't engage in this relationship. That's something I should have done and I didn't do. The sins of omission. Second thing is this, don't make excuses. Number two, don't make excuses. I've seen this more times than I can count. A guy will get caught looking at porn, and so he tries to transfer the blame to his wife. That's like an idiot, if you're wondering. And he'll say, well, the only reason I did was because you didn't. Look at me, man. Look at me. I'm a man. Own your stuff. Own it. Quit blaming everybody else for your sin. Learn to deal with, raise your hand, say, I struggle in this area, I need some help. And then humble yourself before the people that you've sinned against. Maybe, maybe your thing would be, you want me to get off that, right? <laughs> I can tell, woo, it got tense. Maybe your thing is, you know what? The reason... I spend so much money is because you're such a tightwad, you won't buy me anything. So, yeah, I was wrong, but it's your fault that I was wrong. That's pretty good right there. Some of y'all want to write that down. Don't use that. That's not good. <laughs> so there was a time way back in the day when Russell Athletic Apparel was the hip gym wear. I said it's way back in the day. Some of y'all don't even know what Russell, you don't even know what that is. And like I said, it was way, way back in the day. And being the athletic hip guy that I was, I, I wanted some new workout apparel. Okay, here's the truth. The truth on that story. I wrote that, and I thought, that's a lie. That's not true. The truth is, the guy that owned the gym looked at me and said, you cannot come back in here with them holes and them pants. You're a pastor for Pete's sake. You're, sharing, you're showing stuff. You've got to cover that up. And I said, I got shorts on up under here. He said, we don't know if that's your drawers or we don't know what that is. You can't wear that anymore. So I'll tell you what I did. I humbly went to my financial advisor, which was Karen. I shared the story. I told her, they're not going to let me go back in the gym. I got holes back here. They say when I bend over, it ain't good. In fact, somebody said, nobody wants to see that. Let me just say, nobody wants to see that. You need to cover that up. She being the compassionate person that she is, she said, no, we can't afford it. But then, then I noticed that she was spending, <laughs> husbands, y'all can lean in on this. I appreciate it. I saw she was spending money for us, as she said it, on house stuff. I said, no, 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 no. I don't care if there's a picture over that thing over there. And all these little knickknacks that you got sitting around on, I, you didn't buy that for me. I could care less if we have it. Made me some mad. Being the loving, sensible man that I was, I went to Belks and Greer, took our credit card because we was broke as a joke. I knew we didn't have any money in the bank. When I say we didn't have any money in the bank, y'all don't know what that means. I say zero. You understand me? Not a nothing. We were negative. I mean, you, you, are you with me? So I took our credit card. I went to Belks. I walked in. I said, I want every color 
Russell britches and sweatshirts, and I want some socks to go with it. And I got the tall socks, you know, back in the day. Hey, hey, laugh if you want to, but I'm t- I look good. And I mix that thing up where I might could have certain, you know, different color bottom and a different color top. And then my, my, my stripes matched. Man, I look good. And I wouldn't have done what I did if she hadn't pushed me. It's kind of her fault. No. No. Don't make excuses. What I did was wrong. Number three, you've got to learn to accept the consequences. You've got to accept the consequences. When you get someone, when you sin against someone else, there, there's often going to be consequences. Accept them. If you gossip, if you lied about your best friend, your best friend's a little bit slow to trust you, you know, that relationship, you can sense that when you're together, there, there's still a little bit of a wall. You've tried to make it right. You've done everything, but you understand that there's going to be a period of time that you're going to have to prove yourself. Suck it up, buttercup. I'm telling you. You have to learn to rebuild trust, and sometimes that takes time. There can be consequences to sin. We're forgiven by God. Have mercy. The song we sang a few minutes ago, man, the blood of Jesus. Have mercy. But when we're dealing with other people, sometimes it's a little bit slower for them. If you're a 17-year-old kid and you drive home drunk as a skunk and you apologize to your parents, your parents forgive you, but they take away your car for the next three months, don't be a baby and whine. Don't whine. You did the crime, don't whine, and do the time. Write that down. That's good. Number four. Man, this is big. And, and I don't like what I named it, but I knew my heart. And so I'm, we're going to have to just kind of process this just a little bit. Because here, here's what I wrote. Number four, change your behavior. Now, as soon as I wrote that, I went, well, we can't change our behavior. I mean, I wish I could, don't you? Some of y'all saying, that's the problem. I've tried to change, but I can't. So maybe number four should have been seek help. And that's what I mean by change your behavior. I mean, do something about it. If you realize that there are things that set you off, and you don't even know sometimes what those things are, but when they set you off, you know that you get angry, and you know that in those moments you yell at the people that you love, then you've got to figure out what those triggers are. I'm telling you, go to CR. Walk in the door on Thursday night and say, man, I'm here. I'm just messed up. It's all I know. And they'll say, well, join the rest of us messed up people. I'm angry. I don't know why. It's not a problem. See, there's, is there magic to a 12-step study? No, it's, it's, it's the process. It's working through your stuff. And just so you know, you, you're gonna, until you meet Jesus face-to-face, you're going to be working through your stuff. That didn't sound very encouraging, did it? But it's the truth. We're not going to be perfect down here on earth. Get help. Get counseling. Go to CR. 
Get around Christians in a, in a growth group. Learn what a growth group is really all about. That it's holding up your hands with some other people and saying, I've got to trust somebody. And I've got this group over here and I'm going to counsel, but I, I need as many people as I can that will surround me and speak truth into my life with love. Here's the last one. It's easy. Number five, you just ask for forgiveness. You ask for forgiveness. In other words, do not look at someone that you've wounded and hurt and in a sarcastic way say, sorry, sorry. Gee, I hate it. No. You say, you know what, I was wrong. I was wrong. How I reacted to you was wrong. What I said about you was wrong. I was wrong. And I, I, need, I need to ask you for forgiveness. I wish I could tell you that 99 times out of 100 it works out and they, but it doesn't. And, and you've got to be, listen, Jesus said you do, do what you can do. I want you, but I want you to initiate it. And, and I want you to be willing to go and to, and, to, and to begin to eat away at that wall that you built. You built the wall. And I want you to be specific. I want you to say, I did this. I said that. Now I'm asking for you to forgive me. And you'll be done all that you can do. So the thing I love about this church is that we can all like be honest with each other, right? And so like right now, there are messages, if I was really honest, I would say, boy, I can't wait for Sunday. And there's other messages I go, ugh, this is going to be tough. And this is kind of one of those tough messages. And honestly, I would have been happy picking another word. We do have a different word next week. I'm just saying. But I wonder how many of you in this very safe place would be willing to slip up your hand right now and say, you know what, I've been the offender. I've hurt some people. And i got to work on this. Look at me, folks. Could you imagine, I, I'm so crazy that I think that so much of our country's turmoil, well, number one, it's going to be fixed by Jesus. Until we understand Jesus and get the whole Jesus thing, we're going to continue. But when we get that right, if those of us that are followers of Jesus, if we could look at the rest of the world and if we could teach them how to forgive, if we could teach them how to walk in humility and say, I, I hurt you, I'm sorry. I want to own what I did, and I don't want to do it again. And I don't want to do it to you, but I don't want to do it to somebody else. And I need you to help me. Could you imagine I want to pray. I want to pray for those of you like me. I wish I could tell you that all my relationships are perfect. They're not. Breaks my heart. You have no idea. Honestly, I don't even want to preach on this stuff. Sometimes I feel like a hypocrite. I think you don't have all your stuff. You don't, you don't have all your relationships perfectly ironed out. But I can tell you that I have had some hard conversations. I can't tell you that. I wish I could tell you they worked out. Not all of them have. So can I just pray for us? Lord, 
there's a group of us this morning that just raise our hand and we say, you know what, we don't have this thing down yet. That maybe there are walls that exist between us and others, and honestly, God, there are walls that we built brick by brick, course by course. And Lord, you've got to give us the strength and the wisdom The courage, Lord, is just to be able to to go. Even when it's hard, even when it's not fun. That we'll just be willing to go because that's what you said do. We'll have to ask for your mercy and your grace to get us through it. There's some of you that are here this morning who recognize that honestly, the reason you came here this morning is you recognize that your relationship with God is broken. <clears throat> and maybe, maybe you've tried to be better and do better, but no matter how much you've tried to do, you've tried to like be on that performance treadmill and somehow earn your way to God, but you realize that I still keep messing up. I, I, I want to tell you something. It's, it's, I was reminded the first message I ever preached, I titled it The Greatest Love Story Ever Told. It's the most phenomenal story. You've sinned against God, and nothing you can do will make that relationship right. And you know what God did? Who did absolutely nothing. I mean, he, he can't even, like, own a percent. He did absolutely nothing. What God did, I'm going to do everything I can to make the relationship right. And so God sent his son. He said, you can't do it. I'm going to do it for you. So Jesus, the very son of God, went to the cross, and on the cross... He shed his blood. He paid the penalty for our sin. It's it's crazy. On the third day, he was raised from the dead. He's alive. And he's looking at you this morning, and what he's telling you is, "I, I love you so much. The most important thing to me is being in a relationship with you, and I did all the work. And all you have to do this morning is literally say, Will you forgive me? Forgive me for all my sin and your willingness just to fully surrender your life to Jesus. If that's you and you're ready, then maybe you'd pray a prayer something like this. Maybe you'd say, God, I am so, so sorry. I've tried to be better. I've tried to do better. It's not enough. I've tried to some way earn your love. It's just not enough. And it's amazing to me that you did everything necessary. And Jesus, you paid my sin debt on the cross. Wow. I know you're alive. I can feel your presence. I, I feel your presence right now, this very minute. I know it's you. So go ahead and ask him, say, Lord, forgive me for all my sin. And then tell him to the best of my ability, right now I want to surrender all my life to you. Thank him for his great love, for his mercy that you cannot comprehend, for his grace. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you, Lord, that you care about relationships. 
Lord, you care about our relationship with you, but Lord, you also care about our relationship with each other. Lord, you said our, that the world would know your kids by the love that we have for each other. And Lord, loving each other is dealing with our stuff. It's working through the hard process of forgiveness. It's us taking the initiative. Lord, at the end of the day, there's only so much we can do. We have to trust you to do what we cannot do. Lord, we love you. We just want to tell you that we love you. It's in your sweet name that we pray. Amen.